Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am your host and moderator, Tom Reed. Joined, as always, by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. And a little bit later, we will be joined by Craig but- TSN's Craig Button, uh, who will help us look at some of the some of the moves the Penguins made in the draft or, and maybe look ahead a little bit to free agency. Uh, but on Monday, we got one bit of news uh, that we were everyone was kind of waiting on around the league is what players would get extended qualifying offers. And with the Penguins, it was Zach Aston Reese and Redeem Zahorna. Uh, Taylor, any surprises on people that did not get an offer in your mind? Uh, no. So the the four they passed on, Jankowski, Militech, Lindgren, and Larmy. Um, Jankowski, we've talked about it. Hextall pretty much assured Dave that he's not going to be re-signed. I don't think that's a surprise to, to anyone. Um, Sam Militech, I, I looked. Back looking at that last offseason, he was the one I, you know, expected to maybe make his NHL debut this season. He really fell off. Part of it is that he did have mono during training camp and missed, you know, the first month or so. But I mean, even when he came back, he was just never able to he, he was just not himself. Um he was a healthy he was on like the fourth line, limited minutes for when he was playing. Um, and then he was a healthy scratch towards the end of the season. Um yes, Berlingren, that was the def- defenseman they got in the Kapanen trade. Um he uh, crashed into the boards in Wilkes-Barre's first preseason game, uh, hurt his shoulder, needed surgery, done for the year. So uh, we really never even saw him. And then Larmy, uh, the, the goalie, he, he already signed in Finland. Uh, so he's we knew he wasn't coming back. But um, really no surprises among the guys. They did not qualify. Dave, any intrigue for you for some of the guys they did not qualify? Or you're, you're, exactly, you have Taylor, you're exactly in lockstep with Taylor there? No, I, I agree with Taylor. The the only one of those that I thought might still have a future with the organization was Militech. Um, but no, I, I I don't think that uh, you know the long term fate of the Penguins will be determined one way or the other by the uh, the way they handled his situation. Um, other bit of news before we get to the draft: uh, uh, Frank Savali is reporting right now. Mike Sullivan uh, would be the, the coach of Team USA in the Olympics, assuming they would be taking NHL players uh, with them in uh, in next what, January, February. Usually is when the Olympics are held. Uh, a little bit of a really nice honor for him, if indeed that's what it turns out to be, Taylor. Yeah, well, and Dave actually confirmed that. So okay, oh well, there you go. We're not just relying on Sarah Valley, but uh, yeah, uh, good for him. It would be his second Olympics appearance. He was uh, an assistant in Torino, um, but yeah, good, uh, first time being head coach. Dave, uh, your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it, it's something. There had been considerable speculation that he would get the job, so it it wasn't a a shock, but it might end up just. Uh, being the answer to a trivia question of who would have been right. the Team USA coach at the Olympics. 
had t- Team USA actually gone or had NHL players actually gone, which uh, as of this moment still hasn't been determined. I know Mike Babcock has done this in the past where they would go to Olympics and he was still coaching. Uh, I think it was usually in Detroit at the time. But, I mean, if this does happen, that, that certainly adds to the workload, does it not, of, 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 of uh, Mike Sullivan as, as 2021 turns to 2022, just getting the preparation ready. And that, 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 that seems to be a little bit of extra work for, for a head coach that's in the league right now, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at, you know, which players are out there. He would take assuming, you know, they do go. I would love to know what this means for Phil Kessel. Is Phil Kessel going to? Uh, go to the Olympics, play for for Team USA. Um, but probably good good chance for for Gensel now. Um, I mean, he probably was you know going to be in consideration anyway. But uh, I would I would say this helps his chances. But I would love to know what happens with Phil Kessel. Dave, I can remember sitting in a the workroom at the uh, whatever they call it now, the Toronto Arena used to be the Air Canada Center. I think maybe the Rogers Center. Uh, just after fresh off the USA's third loss uh, in a row. Uh, Mike, or uh, I believe John Tortorella coached that team when the, the, the famous Phil Kessel quote came out, tweet came out, said, boy, it feels like I should be doing something right now. You think Phil Kessel will uh, be on Sullivan's team? Um, I would be kind of shocked. I'm, I'm not sure that he would be on anybody's team at, at this stage of his career. He is uh you know, getting getting on, shall we say. So if he's left off the team, I don't know that it necessarily would be because Mike Sullivan had his fill of him uh, during the time that Kessel was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right. Uh, obviously, the big story that dominated the, the uh, news cycle in the, over the weekend in the NHL uh, was the draft. And uh, again, because there was no first rounder and certainly no high first rounder, we're, we're, we're not going to see any of these guys. So it's going to take a while to, uh, to figure out if these were good draft picks or average draft picks or not good draft picks at all. What I know is our coverage with Taylor and Dave was outstanding. Uh, go back. I encourage anyone who missed some stuff over the weekend. I know there's a lot of news going on in the world, but I encourage everyone to go back, read the post, the videos, the analysis, a terrific, uh, terrific stuff by both of you guys. Taylor, uh, obviously the, the pick that everyone will at least be talking about early on because he was the first one was uh, Tristan Bros uh, that, that, that the Penguins chose in the second round. What can you tell us uh, about him uh, that, that what we know at this point? Yeah, Tristan Bros. Um, they picked him at a Fargo in the USHL. He is going to the University of Minnesota. Um, he can play both center and left wing. He uh, was asked about that. Uh, when we spoke to him after he was picked, he said he really doesn't have a preference. Um, he's uh, six foot, uh, decent size. He's about 180 uh, pounds right now. Um, when I did, I asked him, you know, just what, what's the biggest thing he wants to focus on in his game in these next, you know, couple of years, uh, you know, before he goes pro. And he did say it's going to be getting in the gym, adding strength, adding adding size. So um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, prior, he said he can skate. He's got skill, called him competitive. Um and, you know, pointed to his versatility as being able to play both um, center and wing. But, yeah, a good playmaker. Um, seems like a, a good of a pick as Lenny at second round when they picked number 58. Dave, I, I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but as I get older, when I see pictures of these draft picks, they look seem to be getting younger. 
Uh, I think Taylor put up a picture of, <laughs> of young Mr. Tristan, and he looked like he's 12 years old. Uh, but obviously the Penguins are looking beyond what he looks like right now and what he might be in the future. Any thoughts on, on this kid again? We know that it's probably going to be a couple years, if, if, if at all, we see Tristan Bros in a Penguins uniform. Well, first of all, I'm at an age where the draft pick's grandparents look like they're 12 years old. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you, you just don't know. He, you know. He seems to have potential. There seems to be something to work with there. But there's just no way of knowing you know, how, how a kid's going to pan out. There have been can't-miss guys go at the top of the first round who just flop completely. And guys who aren't good enough to, uh, you know, to get drafted at all, who go on and have terrific careers. It's it's just, you know, assessing a uh, how how a teenage hockey player is going to develop and progress is a real crapshoot. And uh, I thought Ron Hextall put it really well recently when he said uh, that the draft is like throwing darts, and that this year it was like throwing darts when you're blindfolded. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that is a good way to put it. Uh, that said, any 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 of those uh, any of those so the, the the Penguins for those that aren't aware, uh, first round or sorry, second round pick, and then a, a, a one in the fifth, and then three in the seventh. Correct, Taylor. Yeah. Anyone just catch your eye, Taylor, of the of the of the remaining four four kids. I mean, they all seem like interesting picks. Uh, the fifth rounder, Isaac Bellavo. Uh, they picked him out of the QMJHL. He's a defenseman. Uh, he was only traded to Gatineau last season. Uh, before that, he was in Ramuski, and he quarterbacked a power play with um, Lafreniere. Uh, there, there are a couple, you know, reports about there about uh, his defensive game maybe not being at, that strong, which I guess is not surprising for a young guy coming out of the the Q. Um, Prior kind of pointed to that too that he. Uh, sometimes get a, gets a little caught up and he needs to tone it down. Um, I mean, he is an offensive defenseman, but I mean, he, he has size too. He's six foot, six foot two. Um, and I mean, what they took two, two more defensemen in the, um, in the seventh round, uh, Daniel Latch, he's six foot five, uh, one eighty three. He's another guy going to college. Um, I mean, so one eighty three. that's not that big, but I mean, six foot five, that is, you can add strength. You can't add height. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Um, Kirill Tankov, the, the last one they picked. He's another center wing. He's a forward, forward uh, very skilled. If you look up the highlights for him on YouTube, he looks like the, <laughs> he looks like really skilled. He, and it is the Russian Junior League, and uh, the, you can tell the defense isn't that strong there, but he looks like he's a lot of fun to watch. And this is his second year eligible, uh, 19, but, you know, they – talked about you know they, they can just leave him over there to develop um before there's no rush for any of these guys but uh tank off really exciting i was watching a couple of videos of him he does the kuznetsov bird so like <laughs> celebration with his arms i've seen that a couple times uh, a couple of videos he's wearing like the yellow laces like ovechkin uh i, I like yeah he he seems like a lot of fun but um yeah i mean for overall pretty solid draft class considering the picks they had okay uh, obviously, it's funny. A couple weeks ago, we were just throwing, just trying to pull something, some eye concepts up for for story ideas and, and things to talk about here on the sixty six to eighty seven podcast. Now it's coming thick and fast. Uh, we get through the draft, we get through the qualifying offers, and now we have free agency. Uh, again, much like the draft, Dave, you, you think that the Penguins at least are going to be on the sidelines early on. Uh, 
but do you think there's a chance that, that, that they get involved? I know you said, I think last week that you could maybe see them as free agency progresses, maybe t- dipping their toe in there to see what's, what's still available. What's your read on it uh, as we get ready for it? Well, it hasn't changed much and you know, exactly how, involved they get will be determined at least in part by which of their own guys they retain you know if they somehow would manage to sign Cody CC and uh, Frederick Gaudreau and Evan Rodriguez they're they're unrestricted guys of consequence you know and then you have Zach Aston Reese and Zahorna that's pretty much consumed all of their cap space and then some uh, so I wouldn't expect them to do much in free agency at all. But if, you know, if they can't keep CC, especially, um, you know, I think they would at least be poking around to, to see what's out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they might sign a guy or two, go over the cap temporarily, which you're allowed to do during the off season. And then, you know, pair your, your number down via a trade or two. Taylor, jump in there. Freddie Goudreau has to be kept at all costs, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy, the guys they've mentioned, uh, you would hope to bring all of them back. Zahorna, it, it helps. He is exempt from waivers again next season, so they can re-sign him. Um, and if there isn't cap space, maybe put him on the NHL roster to start. You can put him uh, in Wilkes-Barre, and then he, uh, he wouldn't count, but... Yeah, uh, if you know they make trades, if they do something like moving out Patterson, then they would have more cap space to be you know players and free agency. But right now, I mean, you really wouldn't expect them to be very active on on day one. Hextall did say you know once you get into August, a couple of days into free agency, you know there'll be some guys still uh, unsigned. But I mean, other than that, I don't know. You would expect them to maybe add you know some depth pieces to start in Wilkes-Barre. I think uh, you still need to sign a, a third goalie. Um, to you know, share the net with Dorio and and Wilkes-Barre. Someone like Legacy, um, maybe Legacy if he comes if he wants to come back. But um, other than that, it, it's really hard to say what they're going to do because we don't know what, what kind of space they're going to have. All right, uh, we're just getting started here on the sixty six to eighty seven podcast. As promised, we will have uh, Craig Button, uh, TSN analyst. Uh, one of his specialties is the draft. We'll get a little bit deeper into him with some of these players uh, that the Penguins have picked up and some thoughts on the Penguins in general and maybe what we can look for in free agency. But next up, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. The Roundtable, as we return on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, we will have Craig TSN's Craig Button on a little bit later to talk about the draft and free agency and all things hockey. But right now, it's our roundtable segment, and we're starting it out today with our player evaluations. As, as you guys know, we go through a penguin and kind of look at his season and kind of look forward ahead to 
upcoming things uh, with this player. And today, it's first-line winger Brian Rust. Uh, another solid season when you when you just look at his stats. Uh, he continues to make himself just a, a self-made player since coming into the NHL. 22 goals, 20 assists, 42 points. <clears throat> but I think what's interesting about him is the Penguins are going to have to start making decisions on some of these younger players. And I still consider Rust a younger player. Uh, he, at any point here, as soon as they decide that teams can start offering their UFAs or future UFAs a, a new contract, what the Penguins decide to do with him. Taylor, if you're in Ron Hextall and Brian Burke's position, you're looking at, at, at Brian Rust. Uh, are you eager to jump in and get something done or are you more like willing to let it play out the course of the season? I mean, I think the cat plays a, a huge part of this. He's he's on a really you know good contract right now for what he's worth it at three point five million. Uh, he could, especially if he has a really good season, you know, coming up, he could price himself out of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, there it's going to be a tight cap. We don't know what's happening with the cap, um, so it, they might not be able to afford him and. Oof. So, I mean, and, and if you're Russ, you might not want to sign too quickly because if Russ goes off and has an incredible season, I mean, he could be worth even more. Um, and, you know, he could be some of them might want to end up testing free agency. He was asked about um, his contract on cleanout day. Uh, and we'll have to, I'll have to find like the, the full quote, but it, he had a really interesting answer about how he just has to, yeah, I mean, he said, he has to, you know, I just have to think about doing what's best for my family about, uh, what kind of money he'd be looking for, um, which I don't know. I think it's an interesting way to put it when you're already making almost four million. But um, he he might end up making enough money that the Penguins can, just can't afford him. Dave, jump in there. A young, uh, still a pretty good player, a, a really good player, I think. But uh, you're put you in the same spot. You're the GM. You know it's a tight cap, flat cap type of situation. Uh, how do you play this with him? Well, I mean, I think the good thing from the Penguins' perspective is you have a pretty good idea of what you're getting with Brian Rust. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, he's pretty solid both ends of the ice, can score goals. You know, he's not one of the great goal scorers in the game, but will be a pretty consistent scorer, good enough defensively that he can kill penalties. Um, you know, for me, the, a decision on, on signing him now would hinge more on, you know, what his asking price would be. Yeah. I don't think there's much danger of him putting together, you know, a 45 goal season in 21-22 to just, you know, spike his value. Sure. Well, but he would be, you know, all things being equal and if he's able to stay healthy during the coming season, he would be pretty attractive on on the open market a year from now, I would think. So, you know, I unless his contract demands would be exorbitant, you know, I, I think it's worth uh, you know at least um, entering into serious discussions with him. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, guys that um, when you start to kind of maybe picture life without Evgeny Malkin, maybe Chris Letang, maybe 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 Crosby's still there for a few more years. That's kind of like we're starting to talk about these bridge players, right? To the next generation, he seems to fall in that age group where he's going to. If you signed him, he would be around for a few more years. He would start to be. He would be part of your rebuilding process where you're not like completely the the, the cupboard's not completely bare. Correct, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, he could 
still be that, you know, first line guy. I mean, they're, <laughs> I still don't think they would be a contender without, you know, the core um, right, right. You know, with guys like it. But I mean, he'd at least be, the team wouldn't be maybe a basement team uh, in the meantime. Is that well, important? Is that, an argue, is that an argument for not keeping him then? I mean, do you, do you really want to risk turning into Hartford? Yeah. You know, uh, the this franchise should know better than almost any other that, you know, if when, when you hit bottom, there's a pretty good chance that uh, you can get a good bounce back. Now, yeah. you know, they shouldn't count on, you know, getting a Lemieux or a Crosby or a Malkin in, in the draft anytime soon. But, you know, when, when you get stuck in that middle class, you know, yeah. where you usually get into the playoffs and maybe you win around, but that's it. You know, I, I'm not sure that that's uh, the, the objective for this franchise. I think, you know, um, if you have to suck it up and, and suffer the pain for a few years to try to put together you know, a legitimate contender, you know, I think uh, that's the way to go. Of course, I'm not the one uh, charged with putting uh, butts in the seats at PPG Paints Arena. So they might have a different perspective from a, you know, a business standpoint. But I don't know that you want to just be a an average team at any point if you can avoid it. It's kind of like what we saw a couple of years ago with the Rangers, right? If, 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 you're, if you're thinking along those lines – Remember the Rangers went to the cup. They won the president's trophy, I think in 2015. And then they started to decline and they saw that their window was closing. Now they, they did not have, obviously they did not have a Sidney Crosby or a Malkin or even a Latang to move, but they started moving their guys, right? They started moving them. They started making their guys rentals to kind of start the process over to what you're talking about. So, and yeah, one of the great, PR moves that I, I think I've ever seen in the NHL is, you know, they, they told their season ticket holders what they right. were doing. Yep. You know, they let them know, you know, this is the plan, you know, we're, uh, we're going to you know, uh, risk some uh, short-term pain here for long-term gain. And, you know, when you look at the progress that team has made over the past few years, you have to, to think that approach is paying off for them. And you would think in this in this market, there would be at least a little reservoir of faith, given how they have won cups, right? It's uh, This isn't like Buffalo saying, trust us. We haven't won anything. We never want to steal a cup, but trust us on this. Uh, the Penguins have won cups recently, not just won five cups, but have won cups recently. So Brian Rust will be an interesting, to me, a very interesting uh, case study in what they decide to do there in the next year or two. Uh, let's move on to a division rival, Philadelphia, who, other than that, this is a Penguin-specific podcast, but I don't think in this past season, Taylor, we talked about a team other than Penguins more than we did about the Philadelphia Flyers and the, the, just the precipitous drop this past year where they were giving up tons of goals, especially in the second half of the year. Well, boy, did, did they get proactive. I mean, they go out and they, 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 they get Ryan Ellis from Nashville, they go out, and I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna butcher it. So I'm throwing the name over to you. That big nasty defenseman from Buffalo is who? <laughs> Rasmus Ristolainen. Oh, nasty business. <laughs> nasty business. And then uh, this past weekend during the during the draft in a in a in a trade that I'm still trying to process. Uh, straight up trade. I think 
they trade uh, Jake Voracek uh, back to Columbus where he started uh, for Cam Atkinson. Taylor, what do you make of the uh, makeover in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the, just the goals they were letting up last season. Uh, they they did have a really weak uh, defensive group. Um, and, I mean, they, were, they definitely addressed that, at least uh, on paper. Um, and I, I think a lot of it still hinges on what happens with Carter Hart. I mean, he's going to be back. It just depends on if he can rebound. But the pieces they added to support him and then, you know, the scoring, you know, they can get from Atkinson. I, I believe Atkinson played with Kevin Hayes um, in college. Probably, uh, so, yeah. Maybe that's, yeah, that's how you'd call They it. were there together, so I but I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure they were they were like line mates, but um so they, they do have that chemistry. But yeah, the pieces they added, you know, in front of Carter Hart, uh definitely improved the team. Um, but a lot of it still hinges on Carter Hart. Dave, what I mean, uh, <laughs> wow, they uh, certainly uh went went, you know, again, sometimes teams look at a kind of a one year dip and say, All right, but we had a bad season, COVID, shortened season, whatever. Well, let's see what happens. Boy, Philadelphia did not take that approach at all. No, I, I mean, I, I think Chuck Fletcher is going for something of a culture change there, too. When you yes. look at some of the longtime core players, you know, like Voracek and Gostas Bear, guys like that who've, who've been moved out and, you know, from uh, what you hear talk around the league – uh, they're not necessarily done with moving out prominent players. So, you know, whether that's an overreaction, I don't know. But, you know, it's the Flyers have not really performed the expectations for quite a while, as, you know, as I think especially Penguins fans are aware that Philadelphia hasn't won a Stanley Cup since the Pleistocene era. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, uh, at at some point, I, I think it's you know only reasonable that they would uh, give up on on the group that they had been counting on and, and bring in some some fresh players try try to get a fresh start. Uh, obviously, as as Taylor mentioned, if, if Hart doesn't get his his game together, you know the all the moves they're making won't really matter much. You've you've got to have capable goaltending. But it's you know I'll, uh, I'll I'll give Fletcher credit he's he's being bold he's being aggressive and uh, you know perhaps uh, the Flyers will be a contender you know that they were supposed to be a, a year ago. Yeah, that's it's 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 an interesting thing. Uh, Mark Madden tweeted this out the other day, and I and I was shocked when I read it, but I, I guess it does make sense. They have lost their last six trips to the Stanley Cup final since '76. <laughs> I, I you know I I just. First of all, you say, well, give them some credit. They've been to the Cup six times in, in since 75, but <laughs> that is an unbelievable number. 0-6. Oh, uh, now, again, it's spread out over time, so it's not quite as bad. Uh, and they right, did gonna... lose to some good teams. You know, yes, they, they, they did. They, they, they lost absolutely Edmonton did. and Detroit. You know, there were... I don't think they were favored in probably maybe any of those, even back to 76, to start the... Uh, the incredible run by the Canadians of four straight. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out at you. I, I w- it would not shock me to see Jake Voracek moved again this year. Uh, the, the part of this tr- thing that I don't quite understand with this trade from the Columbus standpoint, a really good player, no question. But I, they are in total rebuild mode almost. They, it's not torn to the studs, but it's close. 
And I wonder if the if those guys don't end up moving Voracek, who has, let me see here, do my 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 public school math. He has one, is one, two, three years left on his deal. Uh, I could see Voracek getting moved again. I, I really could. I could see Voracek going to a team with uh, more of a chance to contend. It's going to be really fascinating to see how that goes. And Penguin fans know that guy is that guy's been a Penguin killer for a while, right? Pretty good player. I, yeah, I think they'd like to see him go to the Western Conference if at all possible. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, or maybe I, some I, other continent. <laughs> and he looks like gritty. It was so funny to see Cam Atkinson wearing a gritty T-shirt. He he tweeted out a picture of gritty uh, him, him wearing a gritty shirt. And I'm like, it's the first time a guy's ever been tweeted out a picture of, of, of a t-shirt that he's actually the player he was traded for. Well, how uh, many redheads come through there? I mean, like Hartnell <laughs> is also gritty. Katori uh, yeah. and Giroux, they're, they got the bright orange beards. Like, you know, if they do make the playoffs, uh, I don't know if that's like a prerequisite for being <laughs> drafted or signed, but they got a lot of relatives of, of Gertie on the team. Some, some in, in, distant. <laughs> in a sport where I think we're seeing fewer and fewer characters come through, Jake Voracek is one of the all-timers, and I, I love the guy. I, I mean, I've well, always – Do you remember he, is, ripped, he ripped the reporter? On, well, you yeah, remember, we, yeah, we talked to Sam about that. Thing. Yeah. I, I think that was a kind of a – yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that he was unfortunate. The guy a weasel, like yeah, Mike Celeste, the, tr- yeah. <laughs> terrific columnist in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, I think there was something. Yeah, there was a misunderstanding. But Jake is a a good player, and he is a character. For, and we, as we know, Philadelphia has produced some characters, including <laughs> you mentioned Hartnell, who's one of my all time favorites. Uh, now, I, there's no transition into this into our final. Uh, question or final uh, final topic of this segment. Uh, as we know, the Penguins did not have a first round draft pick. Uh, the first round was kind of going along, kind of as suspected. And then uh, I'm looking at Twitter late on Saturday night, or I'm sorry, Friday night, and all of a sudden it is just a flurry of oh my gods and wows. And I'm like, what what just happened? What just happened? Well, the Montreal Canadiens went and. With their first round pick, took uh, Logan Mayu, the Swede, who basically has, not to get too graphic into it, but I'm sure a lot of fans kind of know what's happened there with some stuff that he filmed uh, uh, of a relationship, put put the woman's picture image out there for people to see. Um, Pretty, pretty, pretty bad stuff. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Montreal's decision to draft a kid who came out, I think, the week before and said, don't draft me. I'm, I'm not ready for this. Taylor? Yeah. I, I mean, to, to start, so these aren't just, you know, allegations. He was convicted of this Correct. over in, in Sweden. Um, I just – when that happened, I mean, I was one of those wild tweets um, because it – I don't know if I was expecting him not to get drafted after his statement. I still think if you look back at that statement he put out saying he wasn't ready to get drafted and asking to defer, I, I think that's just self-serving a PR move and it ended up working in his favor. Um, but 
to, to not it not even hurt his draft stock because he he went kind of where he was expected to go. That's insane. I uh, I I can't. I see people tweeting like, "Well, what do you expect him to do?" You know, like his should his life be ruined over this? Like, I I don't think your two options are. You know, either you get to play in the NHL or your life is ruined. Like, it's, uh, you don't have to. Playing the NHL is a privilege, and I, I think if you're doing stuff like this, you don't deserve to be there. And that doesn't even mean you don't get to play professional hockey. I mean, you see, you know, people that have done, you know, bad things off the ice. Bill Peters, the coach, uh, Brennan Leipzig, the, uh, you got what he was saying about his teammates and just women in DMs that got leaked and, um, what Voinov, what he be, he beat his girlfriend, wife. They're all still playing and working in professional hockey. They're just not doing it in the NHL. They're doing it overseas. Even you go back to last year, the draft, the, the kid, the um, Coyotes took what was in the fourth round, Mitch Miller, um, the one that was, it came out like really aggressively bullying this uh, kid uh, who had, uh, I think he was disabled in some way. Um, and it continued, and like the, the mother, the, the victim said, you know, he never apologized. Even he got offers in Russia for this season. Like, so you can still, these guys still like can make a ton of money, you know, just elsewhere. They just don't have to do it in the NHL. Um, but the Canadians thought apparently what Mayu did was not that big of a deal. I, and you go back to his statement, I still think, you know, PR and the Canadians uh, kind of pointed to that statement as, you know, a sign that he's changed. So it did end up working in his favor. But, um, part of that statement he said you know like i'm not ready and he he said he wanted to work on himself and then come back ready for next year um and i think you know if he had gone drafted he would have at least had the opportunity to do that i know he is in therapy um the opportunity to do that you know kind of out of the public eye but by the canadians drafting him now like any of these like changes like he's under so much um scrutiny and he, I, well, he he answered a bunch of questions about it. The Canadians, how many questions did they take after the draft that were about that? Like, they're not doing him a favor. Like, I know they said, you know, we think we can really help him. I think they made it worse by, uh, you know, he isn't there to be doing all this work. But now they have, they threw all this attention on him. I still think he would have been drafted either way. But uh, for them to take him when they did, it's uh, unbelievable. Dave, I, I, I want to eventually make a T-shirt for us, the 66 to 87 podcast. And my thought is having our three floating heads on the outside. And if I had to put a something, the fourth image there, it would be a Columbus garbage truck that always appears on our, on our show that just drove by just again, as you can hear, or the snoring dog, Bob Ayer's snoring dog, one of those two. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on, on not the garbage truck, but, but the decision – that Montreal made uh, to, to, to draft Mayu? Well, I, I think it's unfortunate that the garbage truck wasn't able to haul away the decision that Montreal made. <laughs> what a transition. Huh. That's why it's uh, the Hall of Fame, folks. You know, it's it's staggering. And, and, you know, I guess the troubling thing is that my guess is that if he turns out to be a productive player, uh, much of the Montreal fan base, and it's not anything peculiar to that fan base, will, you know, shrug this all off and be happy that they, that a good player came out of it. Uh, we should mention that while he asked teams to not take him this year, he does have the option to not sign a contract 
for the next two years and, and, you know, and go back into the draft. So if he really believes that time away from the NHL is in uh, his best personal interest in developing as a human being, you know, that, uh, that option is there. It, it's kind of strange that it would, you know, being drafted would ultimately delay him getting to, uh, to the NHL if he would go that route. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a very unfortunate situation on every level. Yeah. And I just, I just, I just, all I thought, I thought about is in, in, in hearing is just that poor woman, you know, this, this just story just comes out. And if, if, if he does what you just said, Dave, wait a couple years, it's still, it's, it's still going to come out in a year or two, but it's just, it's just and, picking the scab right off of it. Isn't it Taylor? Well, yeah. And she, the victim spoke with Katie Strang, um, and a feature. I mean, she's still, you know, anonymous, but she spoke with Katie Strang, and um, she saw all she wanted from my. It was like a really heartfelt apology. And at that, at the time she spoke, she still hadn't gotten that from him, um, which is crazy. And like, I don't know. I tweet about this a bunch, and I got a lot of replies saying like, "Oh, what's the big deal? It was still like a consensual like encounter." Um, no, but I mean, but well, no, I mean, when they were together, it's consensual. She did not consent to having her picture taken. No, that's exactly consent. right. That's the thing, and like, and people are legitimately like not like trolling. Or like, I don't see it. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, this, when women have like killed themselves over like pictures like this being like distributed without their, you know, yeah, this is permission. This is like ruining someone's life. I mean, it really is. It's like that woman for. For a long stretch, anytime she goes for a job interview, whatever, people are going to think about this. And it's just, it's staggering to me that the Canadians would do this, but I, I don't know. And, and like, you know, they, they're like, oh, you know, we're going to work with him. But like, but what, what is the message being sent, like sent when you can do that and it doesn't even hurt your draft stock? I, I like, you know, he, he's talking about in his, you know, interviews, like he's going to learn from this and all, but w what is there to learn? What's the message when there's really, he didn't face any real consequences. He paid a fine in Sweden after he got convicted. But as far as like his life and it, what, what, what consequence did he really face? This is, he has, he has to answer a lot of questions on zoom. Like the, you, there's no real consequence. And, and again, to me, you know, I, for years, I, I covered the NFL and covered the Cleveland Browns and dealt with the ongoing saga of Josh Gordon and all of his failed drug tests. But that's that's on him, right? That's that's Josh Gordon being Josh Gordon and not learning. But he was only ruining his own life, right? This wasn't had something to do with another person's life and reputation. Uh, but, and then Bergevin announcing the pick. Bergevin, he's now he's denied knowledge of it, but like he was with the Blackhawks during the he was the, what the director of player oh. personnel during the and then right. the draft right after they hit you with the Mayu thing, and then it transitions right into Stan Bowman announcing the Blackhawks pick, surrounded by like a shield of ten women. Now I mean like they're they're the women that they have you know in in these roles with them, they're they're good at their job, they're qualified, uh, but the timing of when the Blackhawks added all these women and built this, whatever team that, you know, they're calling it right after all this Aldridge stuff came out that we've talked about, you know, at length before um, it, it's like a PR move. And I don't understand why Bowman is even, he's not on some kind of leave given that he was one of the executives during that time. Um, what a way for the NHL to end the first round banner day. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on, uh, and we when we come back, we will have the great Craig Button 
He will give us uh, uh, kind of his thoughts on the Penguins draft and some thoughts about what we might see in free agency and kind of talking about life in the flat cap era. Uh, so stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And uh, as always, we have a guest in this segment. And I really, you know, we always try to bring you guests that are relevant as far as that what time it is, whether it's an upcoming opponent or something. And I really can't think of somebody better today to bring in a couple of days after the draft than our, our guest today. Uh, Craig Button from TSN, you know him, the, the, the draft guru. He's everywhere. I love following his... Uh, Twitter feed too, because you get to see some of the stuff. If you're not from Canada, you get to see some of the stuff that he produces up there. And uh, Craig, we can't thank you enough for coming on the uh, day after the draft. You recovered? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know how the uh, the, the last 16 months have created uh, uh, a very, uh, I, I wouldn't call it uncertain, but a very different uh, kind of rhythm and, pl- and schedule. So, you know, I think that uh, it Early on, we were trying to find that rhythm and find that schedule, but 16 months in, I think we have found it. I will tell you this, in, in about a week's time, I will be I will be checking out for about five, six weeks. And <laughs> it, it could be the most important thing. Like it could be blockbuster trade after blockbuster trade. Nobody's finding me. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Uh, you're you're a good man. Um uh, uh, the, the, the Penguins were, uh, for long stretches of this draft, spectators. Uh, they did not have a first-round pick. But in the second round, they did pick Tristan Bros. Uh, again, one of your big parts of your, your responsibilities up there and as a former NHL executive is talent evaluation. What are the Penguins getting with this kid? Well, they're getting a, a, a very skilled player and, and, and somebody who plays the game uh, you know, quick and fast and determined and with a tenacity uh, that, that coincides with that skill. You know, it's one thing, you know, we use terms like energy players, but Tristan has, has, has ability. And, you know, when you, when you watch the way he, he wants to get inside, he wants to, you know, gain those advantages, uh, you know, with that, with that speed and with that quickness. And then, because of the tenacity and because of the competitiveness, he, he, he's he's involved in the critical areas of the game. He needs time. I mean, the vast majority of players need time. In fact, if your name isn't Owen Power or Matty Beneers, you need time. So let's just get it right out of the way right now. And Tristan's going to need time. Uh, you know, he, he's going to the University of Minnesota, which is a great program. And I think it's, uh, you know, I want to say it. Bob Motzko, who's the head coach there, lost yeah. his son in a tragic car accident over the weekend. And, you know, certainly feel for Bob and his family and uh, the friends of his son, Zach. But, you know, for Tristan to be able to go to a program at the, at the University of Minnesota, it will it will really benefit him. And, you know, they have some they have some good players coming in that are going to that are going to support him, uh, you know, with respect to the, the ability to you know, not put too much pressure on one player. But but I think Tristan has a lot of ability. I think he's got a lot of potential. And uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, you're looking two, three years down the road before I think he starts to make some inroads into the onto the team or into the consciousness of the team. But 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 he, I really like him and think he's a really good prospect. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and then again, after after they wait for the first round to take a second round pick, then they have to wait again for <laughs> a few more rounds. Uh, and did they find any sleepers? Did they did they did they uh, you know, did they find any little, any hidden gems there with the later picks? I know these are always hard to assess because they're they're much farther down the board. But your thoughts on some of their later picks? Well, I mean, you, you start to look at at you know, like he, Isaac Bellaville, like he played in Ramuski with Alexi Lafreniere before being traded to Gatineau, and Louis Robitaille, who coached him in uh, Gatineau, and I talked to Louis before he acquired him. Isaac is really good with the puck really smart and patient with the puck. And, I, I, you know, one of the things with, with the defensemen and, and, and Isaac in this case is, is they're so good with the puck. They see the game so well. But sometimes because, uh, you know, the, they're looking to make that really good play, you want that in a, in, in a defenseman. Sometimes they get caught holding the puck a little bit too long. So I think with Isaac, it's it's developmental. He's not a big, huge, overwhelming physical presence, but when that puck's on his stick, he gets it into the right spots. And you know, you look at a player that's drafted in, in that part of the draft. For me, you look at what the potential is, and and I I, I mean this year's draft, not, not I don't want to say more so than other drafts, but you know, with the lack of viewing on players. You know, swing for the fences, go for the for, go for the big upside, and I think that Isaac has uh, you know some of that some of that big time upside. You know, the, the, you know Daniel Latch, you know, was a, is a defenseman that you know played at the national team development program. You know, he's he's a big rangy defenseman. I see him as a defensive defenseman. Ryan McCleary's kind of it, it, he, he's more he's more weighted and geared towards being an offensive defenseman. He's going to really have to, you know, become quicker and faster in the skating. But when you watch somebody like like Latch, who, who's big and rangy, and you know, give him a chance to pull it all together, Ryan McCleary, give him a chance to to, to see how much he can improve the skating because he handles the puck well. He's got good vision. You know, those are those are the types of qualities you look for in, in the later players. Uh, I I do not know Kirill Tankoff uh, the the. Uh, Penguins last pick in the in the seventh round, uh, but you know what? The, he's gonna he's gonna incubate over there for a while, and if he comes over and has a chance, well, nothing wrong with that. Kirill Tankov, if if you haven't seen him, he has the greatest highlight video I think of any prospect on YouTube. The Russians go hard for making their highlight videos, but they make him look like the greatest player in the draft. It's 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 great. Well, what um, I can tell you is this, just real quickly, and it's and, and I always get a kick out of it because it is funny. Uh, but talking to the college coaches this year around the NCAA, Taylor, is that they all said the the the, the highlight reel, the the recruiting tapes they got, every the, every goaltender made every single save, <laughs> every player scored on every single shot, every every guy on the blue line went end to end. They said they never saw a player not be able to make these terrific plays. And so they were going to really have a hard time recruiting. So, Hey, when you got a chance to make your own highlight video, <laughs> make it big and make it bold. And uh, watching that, I'm like a oh, tank for tank off. What a guy, but yeah. <laughs> moving, moving, moving forward. Uh, well, no, I guess looking back at the draft, uh, which couple of teams actually had the, you know, better draft classes, best draft classes in your estimation of, you know, the teams that actually had more than a couple of seventh round picks like the Penguins did. Yeah. You know, Taylor, like it's, it, it's always a question. And in, in my history at the NHL draft, 
I have never seen a team leave the draft and not be excited about their draft class. Never. Because this is about hope and this is about, you know, where the players are going to be. And I, you, you know, I, if you want to ask me, I, I think the Buffalo Sabres got a number one franchise defenseman. Like, so, you know, how do you do better than that? You know, Maddie Beneers might be a Jonathan Taze type. How do you do better than that? So I think that as you look at the overall draft class, you have to be able to sit back and, 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 and let the players grow and let the players develop. Uh, you know, to start to start evaluating a draft class and grading a draft class the day after a draft class, not something I do, not something I believe in. And, you know, if, if we go back and look at and look in the past and look at the in, in time, you know, the Hart Trophy uh, winner a few seasons ago uh, was Nikita Kucherov. He was a second round draft pick. You know, we look at uh, uh, Adam Fox. He was a third round draft pick that got traded twice. He was he won the Norris Trophy this year. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of good players that are going to come out of uh, uh, past the first round. They're going to come at different parts of the draft. And the scouts have put so much time and effort into their lists. And, you know, no, no list is the same. And no evaluation is going to be the same for the most part. So I think that when you when you look at the draft overall, I, I think it's incumbent to be patient and to be understanding that these are young players with a lot, a lot of group. And, and I'll finish with this, uh, Taylor. Aaron Judge was drafted in the late, late rounds by the Oakland Athletics as an 18-year-old high schooler. He didn't sign, went to college. He ended up becoming, I, I believe, the 30th pick or somewhere in the first round by the New York Yankees after, after becoming eligible again as a college player. And that's a perfect example in baseball and hockey, like baseball, when you're drafting 17 and 18-year-old players, there is massive uh, room for improvement, and you got to let that time uh, take, take, take its due course. Yeah. And then looking ahead, is is there a veteran free uh, a veteran goalie in free agency who you think makes sense for the Penguins, or do you think you know Jari and DeSmith as a tandem would would be okay for another season? Yeah, it, what what I think Taylor is is that Tristan is a good goaltender. I think he needs a, a, a stabilizing goaltender around him, and, and by that what I mean is, you know, when when you run into those spots in the season when you when your game isn't where it needs to be, you can't work on your game in game. You got to kind of take a step away. And so for a coach to not thrust a goaltender in there and to be able to put somebody that, you know, allows the allows in this case, Tristan to just go and, 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 you know, refine his game, fine tune his game. I think it's really important for Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff to have that. And, and, and with that now, I think you need somebody that, 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 that when I say a stabilizer, somebody that comes in and just steady. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be up and down because if you get a goaltender that's down, that's an up and down goaltender. Well, if you're putting him in there when he's down, that's not helping your team. And so, you know, when you ask me about a couple of the goaltender, and and I've been asked this about Peter Mrazek. See, I think Peter Mrazek's a roller coaster goaltender. I don't think he's the right guy for Tristan Jari because you know his good is really good, but when he's down, it's not very good. The the players that immediately come to mind for me. And I don't know where Yaroslav Halak is at with respect to his health and everything. And I know he's a little bit older, but to me, he's a stabilizer. He's proven that with Tuka Rask. And, you know, that opera, like, like if he, like he would be my first choice 
He's mature. He's been good. He's smart. He's economical of movement in the net, you know. And so if he if, if everything checked out with I think Yaroslav could be a really strong goaltender. You know, outside of that, I mean, you're starting to get into higher pre- – I'm not taking a chance on anti Ranty. He's hurt all the time. I'm just mm-hmm. not – like, I don't care. I'm not I'm not signing him. James Reimer, Devin Dubnik, I'm really not sure about those guys. And, you know, uh, you, you start to look at – like David Riddick, he's another roller coaster goaltender like Peter Morazic. So I keep coming back to uh, – Yaroslav Halak as, as the type of goal in, in, in unrestricted free agency. Maybe there's a way to, to, to look at uh, a, a restricted free agent that might be a little bit older. I don't know if there's, you know, without looking deep and hard at that, I don't know if there is a guy. Brian Elliott's another up and down goaltender. I, I'm not interested in those guys. They're, like they're not stabilizers. And I think that what Tristan needs right now and the team needs is a little bit of a stabilizer. And, you know, I, I, I really believe, Yaroslav Halak or that type of goaltender fits the bill. Uh, Craig, the the Rangers obviously have been accumulating high-end talent for a few years, and eventually you have to come up with the money to sign those guys. Uh, That uh, presumably was uh, part of the reason, at least, that that New York traded Pavel Buchnevich a few days ago. do you think with the flat cap that we're going to see more trades involving productive players that uh, their teams just can't afford to keep? Absolutely. I really do. And, you, you know, I also believe, too, that, like, you, you know, drafting players and developing players, you know, are, is so important in the cap system. And, and certainly with a flat cap, it becomes even more important. I, you know, the, the New York Rangers know how good Pavel Buznevich is. But, you know, you, you come to a point where you've got to say, hey, wait a sec, I, I, we can't keep this player. It's going to create some problems. So I think it's also a bet on Capo Caco and even maybe uh, Vitaly Krasov. You know, uh, are, are they the same level of player as Pavel Busnevich right now? But at some point in time, you've got to make a bet on those players. And because of the flat cap and because of where you, you, you end up, you know, getting squeezed in, in that regard, I absolutely believe we're going to see more trades like this. And, we're, and, 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 you know, teams don't have as much flexibility with their cap. So the teams that can uh, afford it are, are, are going to be able to trade uh, for a player like Buznevich. And, you know, the New York Rangers betting on Kako, betting on Kraftsoft that are younger, skilled players and trying to get a Sammy Blay into the lineup that gives you a little bit of a different look is something that I, I absolutely think where you, if you look at it and go, okay, is Sammy Blay as good a player as Pavel Buznevich? No. But in this scenario, it works and it fits. And I think that uh, as teams move forward, that's the type of uh, trade that, uh, that that I really do believe you'll see more of. And we have free agency starting on Wednesday. How much of an impact do you think the flat cap will have on that? And do you have an educated guess on one where some of the bigger names uh, that are going to be out there will end up? 
I don't. I mean, like, there's some good. Like Gabriel Landeskog is a really good player. So let's just go back to the to 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 the cap conversation. You know, teams are up against it. They don't have the cap space. You, you, you you're seeing buyouts with teams trying to trying to afford themselves a little bit more flexibility in some cases, a lot more in other cases. And I think that as you as you move through these types of scenarios. You know, the flat cap creates a lot of a, a, a lot of constraint. Uh, I don't know if it'll if it'll create restraint <laughs> because you guys and Taylor, you know as well as, as anybody that you know teams have a tough time restraining themselves. But the constraints of the salary cap might prefer, might help them uh, have a little bit more restraint. So I mean, I, I think it goes without saying, Dougie Hamilton. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a top notch right shot defenseman, uh, who who's twenty eight years old. I mean, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, what he do? But you know, what what are their what are their salary uh, demands? You know, Seth Jones is leaving an organization in Columbus to go to Chicago. I don't see Chicago being a contender anytime soon. So, I mean, the, Gabriel Landeskog is left with a real tough decision. You know, you know what's this? What's the landscape in Colorado for a really good team that he's been a part of through the the, the process of getting to this point? Does he does he want to go to a weaker team? Because to me, what really shows up here is that the weaker teams are the ones with more cap space. I take Seattle out of this. They're a different animal. Or a player's going to have to make a bet on, on, on a team that's really that, – that they feel is rising up and really taking a step forward. And uh, th- that, to me, creates, uh, uh, you know, probably, you know, the, the bigger names, Landis, Gug, Hamilton, you probably might see them uh, get some good offers early on. I don't know if it's going to be offers to teams that are really appealing to them, to be straightforward with you. So I'm not so sure we're going to see this flurry of activity with the high-end guys at the outset of free agency. I think you might see some some more of the of the players in, in that category, the Blake Coleman sign. You know, we know Zach Hyman is going to sign in Edmonton, but the Blake Coleman type sign is I, – I, I think those are the ones – uh, where teams are, are are trying to find a way to to get those types of players get a little bit more strength deeper down in their lineup uh, than the bigger guys uh, when free agency begins here on Wednesday. Well, I don't care if it's flat cap era, non flat cap era. Craig, you are always our first pick <laughs> this time of year. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, brilliant from Craig Button. Uh, our guests today and that that's it for 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 this for this edition of the 66 to 87 podcast for craig button for dave molinari and taylor haas this is tom reed we'll talk to you later in the week on the 66 to 87 podcast